Welcome to Happily Ever After is just the beginning. Keeping your relationship not just together, but happy, and we mean truly happy, is part art and part science. You've come to the right place. Here's your host, Leslie Dorries. Do you remember the first time your partner told you that they loved you and how it made you feel? Do you remember the moment that you first loved them? And do you remember being anxious about telling it, telling them that you love them? You know, love is the universal feeling that we all want to have. And it's why it's been a constant in stories and art for as long as humans have been around. So if it is so ubiquitous and desirable, why does it seem to be so difficult to hold on to? Well, that's the very subject that I'm tackling today with my guest, Ira Raboy, and he's a longtime teacher at the Lehman Alternative School in Ithaca, New York, and he's also the author of a book called Compassionate Critical Thinking, How Mindfulness, Creativity, Empathy, and Socratic Questioning Can Transform Teaching. So obviously he's, he's a teacher by probably by, you know, not just by trade, but probably by temperament. So Ira, thank you so much for being on the show and talking about this this topic that is all that's everywhere and everybody talks about, but nobody seems to be able to do. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's a very complex subject, and thank you for inviting me on your show and giving me the opportunity to talk with you. Well, and and you know, it's it's really interesting because as as my guests, as as my listeners probably know, many of my guests, I I write for. Um, a website called the Good Men Project, which if you've never been there, I highly suggest people go to, go to that website. But you state in a recent article for them that to keep love alive, it's important to know how it is born. And in fact, that's actually the title of the article. So what makes knowing how love starts important for keeping it going? Well, um Knowing how love is born is knowing how any emotion is created. It's knowing about ourselves. Um, it is knowing how we work. Um, and if we know how we work and we know ourselves, it is, it is easier for us to know others and to see others for who they are and thus to have a more fulfilling relationship. So I think it... Uh, you know, like when we you fall in love, you have all that passion and confusion. But <laughs> it, 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 when, we, when that happens, it's not always easy to know what to do with it or even what it means or if it's real. So if we know how love is born and how emotions are created, we can make more meaning out of the whole thing, right? Well, and I know because you know, when I talk with my clients and, and I always ask them, you know, when they come in, it's like, well, why did you get married? And the answer inevitably that I get is because they were in love. And, mm-hmm. you know, so it is that this idea that, but, I'm, but I think you're right that it seems to be a simple idea, but it isn't a simple emotion because, you know, one of the things that everybody says they want is this unconditional love mm-hmm. where they're accepted for who they are and warts and all. And, you know, what I've discovered is people want to receive unconditional love. They're not really very good about giving unconditional love. And I'm not even sure that unconditional love exists, but that's my own issue. But what makes love or any emotion so complicated? Well, 
any we tend to think that like especially you know falling in love you know it feels like you're being hit by a gigantic wave <laughs> right mm-hmm. and and you think of it as being this one united thing but when we look at it more closely when you uh, go inside yourself and try to feel it, you realize that, one, it's made of many components, like this feeling to it, sensation. But there are also mm-hmm. thoughts and beliefs and images come up. It almost brings together um, your whole life into that one feeling or one sensation or one thought that you're having about this person. So it, it, there are these components to it. And the other part of it is it doesn't all arise, uh, it, seems, it can seem to arise all at once, but it actually arises in very quick stages. And being able to understand those stages enables us to, you know, uh, experience it more deeply and also uh, have more clarity about it. For example, you know, like when you walk in the room, you know, everybody talks about love at first sight, right? Uh-huh. uh-huh. And, but really what happens is it's like, oh, my God, at first sight, <laughs> or <Yeah>. wow. <laughs> you know, you have this sense of um, focusing on this person. I, I'm, I can't put her out of my mind or I can't look anywhere but at him, you know. And then later we, we, we realize, oh, we start feeling good or bad. We want to run away from them <laughs> or approach them. And then memories come on, thoughts, uh, valuations, and choices. And that's when uh, full-scale emotions are born, as out of when all we go through that whole stage. And only at that end, after we add memories and thoughts to uh, feeling and sensations, do we have love. That's really interesting, because I, as you were talking, I'm, I'm thinking about what I know about the biological aspect of falling in love. And, you know, everybody loves... well. It, it, it can be a little bit scary, but, but that, that total encompassing where you're focused almost solely on this other person with almost everything else in your life kind of going into the background where, mm-hmm. you know, you, pretty much your every waking thought is about this person and you spend, I mean, I remember when my husband and I met and fell in love. We spent, we lived in um, two different places and we spent like two hours on the phone every night talking. I mean, we'd be up, you know, and both of us were working. I mean, so it wasn't like, you know, but, but I could get by on a little sleep. And, it, and it's, that, it's that part, but, but our bodies cannot, literally cannot maintain that forever. And so when it starts to change, I think that's when people start really getting confused. It's kind of like, well, do I not love this person? Mm-hmm. Or maybe they do something that confusing or as you said brings up a a memory and then this is where it all gets complicated and I think this is when people start questioning is this really love when as what you're describing yes it's part of the process yeah right um well you got you know when everybody has to learn I mean love is a (laughs) is is growing up in a way mm-hmm. because you're going beyond your, you know, when we're young, we're so focused on ourselves. But um, one of the things that helps us be able to expand ourselves and our perceptions is love because love tells us you're worthy. Love, when you, when you love someone else, you feel love for yourself. And that's a part of it that, that we often forget. Mm. I th- I mean, that, well, I think it's, 
I think it's a part that isn't necessarily explained very well. Oh, yeah, although, right. You know, because, because we think about love as being all about the other person, which mm-hmm. on, there is a big component of that. But I think what you were talking about before is that in order to be able to, to do that well, we also have to have a certain level of self-love. Right, right. Yeah, we focus so much on the other person that we can get lost. We can lose ourselves. Um, it's, and we put too much on the other person, and mm. that makes us lose ourselves. For example, well, we th- think that lo- that is this other person um, mm. that fulfills us, but it is, uh, as I said in the article, it is love itself that fulfills us. It is that opening, that caring, that uh, uh, seeing the world beyond our own egocentricity that fulfills us. It is the way that we relate to the world with this lovingness, this openness, this caring. That's what really uh, fulfills us. And also I think that we forget that love, like any emotion, um, has many purposes. Um, Interesting. Yeah, because we, we focus on children. <laughs> uh, we focus yes. on um, marriage. But love gets, gets us ready to act in a certain way, and it gives meaning. Like when you love someone, you, you say to yourself and you say to the world, that person is important that I care about that person I value I commit I desire that person so it's not, so love is therefore not just one emotion for hmm. example caring includes vulnerability right <laughs> ah yes the v word yes so oh, yes the one yeah <laughs> you can yeah people say it's like you know I, I, I want to I actually did have a client say this to me that when I asked them what they wanted and they said well I, I want to know that my partner will never hurt me and I'm like going okay well we're done because that's not possible because when we love somebody we are vulnerable we're open to being hurt and that doesn't necessarily mean our partner or or our child or our friend or whoever we it is we love is hurting us on purpose but right. because but because we have opened ourselves to them and we care so much about them and we care about our interaction with them, then some of their behaviors that we might not understand um, will, will hurt us. Yeah, right, right. I mean, part of vulnerability is fear, fear mm-hmm. of loss or rejection or whatever. Um, like you said, someone being afraid that they're going to hurt them. Right. And, and then we have to think about, well, what do we do with this vulnerability? <laughs> I mean, right. W- do we embrace it uh, or do we try to eliminate it? Um, well, I think a lot were... of people try to el- I think a lot of people try to eliminate it, but but then you're cutting part of yourself off and and you're you're kind of putting some I don't some boundaries and actually that boundaries isn't the right word because we all need to have healthy boundaries whether we love somebody or not, but we but we put some restrictions then on our love that I will love you as long as you stay in, the, in this lane and don't ever. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, um, also that vulnerability, that fear is also, you know, like love is like walking a tightrope in a little way, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. on the one hand you need security, you need care, you need to depend, you need to be honest. Right. But on mm-hmm. the other hand, you have to uh, go beyond 
what you think you know. You, you can't be too secure. Uh, right. So it, vulnerability makes, and fear, that adds a little bit of excitement to it. Right, because you know yeah, I mean? otherwise then it's just, otherwise then, and, and sometimes that's what happens is that relationships get so safe and secure that they start to lose, um, people start to lose interest and, and they don't realize it's, it is, it's this balance, it's this tightrope that you have to walk between a little bit of new and excitement and growth with, connected with the security. But in the article, you also mention, and again, we're talking about some of the ways love is misunderstood, but what are some of the ways love gets off track? Well, yeah, well, we, yeah, we're getting, you got to that perfectly, you know. Um, for one thing, how do you deal with that vulnerability? We mm-hmm. said that we try to eliminate it, you end it. Um, p- people also might try to control the other person. Mm-hmm. And when we try to control the other person, we ourselves feel out of control. And we restrict, we, we love the person for who they are and for the excitement they give, but if we try to control them, we eliminate that. Um, another thing we might do is uh, think that the person exists entirely for us, you know. Yes. <laughs> you know? Then- uh, and that's so easy <laughs> to do. You know, we get so caught in um, the person gives us things, so we expect them to give us some more. Um, so we can be so overwhelmed or we can be so overwhelmed for the attraction for the other person that we lose sight of the reality of the person. Um, yeah, that's really interesting because frequently I'll, you know, I'll ask, I'll ask, uh, you know, if, if somebody loves the flesh and blood flawed human being that that person is, or if they love the idea or, or of that person or the, or who they think that person could be. Yeah, exactly. And, and, and this comes into, well, I mean, there was a, a musical eons ago that was called, I love you, you're perfect, now change. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because, and, and that's what, you know, that, that's what people want to do. And I think it goes back to what you were talking about earlier about wanting to control things is that, as long as you're as long as you're this way, then I'm okay. But as soon uh-huh. as you start to go outside of who I think you are or could be, then I get really nervous, and then I have to put you back in that in that box. Right. Exactly. Right. You know uh, the psychologist Carl Jung. Uh huh. And he talked about this. He said uh, at one point he was talking about what makes us attracted to another person. Mm-hmm. And he said um, we perceive in the other person uh, parts of ourselves that we had to give up or that we feel lost or were, were neglected. And so love is an attempt to recapture that. But, he says, once we begin a relationship, what do you do with that? Just like you said about the image, you know, what do we do with that? If we try to hold on to this initial feeling or what brought us to the person, then we don't see, like you said before, we don't see what's new. We don't see the person evolving. We don't really open the door. We try to close it and to try to protect ourselves. Right. So, or, or if we see them evolving, it scares us. Yeah. It's like, it's like, no, don't change. It's like, yeah, it's that really interesting dynamic. Right, right. 
Yeah, so a good relationship is one that where I, I think, I mean, it's a good, I think there's a good way to look at it anyway, is one where both people nourish each other and nourishing each other by allowing each other to, uh, to be who they are. <laughs> mm-hmm. which, which is a scary thing. Oh, um, yeah. This... <laughs> you wouldn't uh, think that, that the, the, the process of knowing itself uh, can be scary. <laughs> yes. Well, yeah, some, sometimes, sometimes just the process of being alive is scary, which I think is definitely a true statement. So this is Happily Ever After is just the beginning on webtalkradio.net. I'm talking with teacher and author Ira Raboy about what love is and how to keep it alive. And if this, if this is something that you want to do in your marriage, I want you to know that it is possible. It is a realistic goal if you know what works. So if you're ready to learn, I encourage you to give me a call or send me an email and schedule your free, no obligation, create your happily ever after marriage strategy session. You can give me a call at area code 919-924-0463. Again, that's 919-924-0463. Or you can send me an email at leslie, L-E-S-L-I, at foundationscoachingnc.com. That's F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N-S, coaching, N as in Nancy, C as in charlie.com. And now I want to get back to this interesting conversation about learning about love and actually making it a part of your life. And Ira, you wrote, and, and I really loved this in the article, and we were just sort of talking about this, a good relationship is not necessarily one where both parties do everything together. Instead, it is one where each gives the other plenty of space to do and be who they are. And so that's kind of what we were talking about before the little break. So right. why is this so important? Because I know that there are people that get really nervous about um, my partner continuing or, or starting new things that don't necessarily involve me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, with my, I want my wife to have her own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, <laughs> what concept? <laughs> yeah. And it's so important um, that we feel, each of us uh, feels our own freedom and mm-hmm. that we honor the freedom of the other. And then when we do that, our relationship feels free. Our relationship feels whole. So as or if I feel that I can grow and I can do what I feel I want to do and I'm excited about, uh, I feel good about our life together. Um, If we ourselves uh, feel whole, we uh, can allow other people to be themselves. And that's why it's so important. And then there's no, you know, that... that, uh, Animosity develops, conscious or unconscious, when you feel too restricted by the other person. Um, if you allow the other person to be themselves, then that doesn't happen. <laughs> well, yeah, and it's, but again, it's, and, and um, there's another colleague of mine, his name's Hal Runkle, and he wrote a book called Scream Free Parenting, and he's also written one called Scream Free Marriage, but he talks about, because somebody, he, he said, somebody asked him how, he managed to you know, stay married to the same woman. And he goes, well, I'm not married to the same woman. She keeps changing. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and, I, and I thought, that, I mean, I love that because, I mean, I think back and I've been with my husband 33 years and I, 
while there are similarities of who I am now to who I was then, I have grown and changed. My husband's grown and changed. And so this idea that I'm living with the exact same person, I mean, on some level, yes, that is true. But on another level, we've continued to grow and and do things and learn things and engage in, you know, different activities both together and apart. Mm-hmm. Right, right. That makes it nice to have a, you know, we're, we're still interested and curious about each other. It's like, oh, you know, and there have been times actually when one of us will, one of us will say something and the other one will go, who are you? <laughs> it's like, where did that come from? Because you know, there's this idea that if you've been together for that many years, you know everything there is to know about the other person. But that's not true. Uh, no, no. I mean, we're all continually changing beings. And um, that's one of the things that's hardest to understand about life and ourselves, you know. Um, as you go at older, for example, you're you're always changing and you're facing a very different uh, reality. Mm-hmm. You, you can't help but change, right? <laughs> right. And, you know, and, and one of the things that we also know from the research about relationships and love is that novelty is kind of can, can reignite some of those early in love feelings. And, so when you do new things either by yourself or together, you're, you're creating this newness, which is really kind of exciting and, and is one of the things that keeps relationships alive and thriving. Right. Well, in a way, vulnerability is a sense of newness. <laughs> oh, I've never thought about it that way, but I guess that's true, isn't it? Yeah, because it puts you in a place you haven't been before. <laughs> <laughs> So the idea, I mean, we, we, we really make a mistake about um, when we fear it so much. I mean, I remember my students, you know, the vulnerability, you know, when I said love has to do with vulnerability, they were like, no, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> and, and by the way, I don't think they're alone in, in that reaction. Um, oh, no. <laughs> I feel that way. I mean, don't we all? <laughs> Well, yep, and and I think that's interesting because, you know, vulnerability goes along with just breathing, um, mm-hmm. but but it's about whether or not I think we feel, and I don't necessarily like using this term, but but I think it's what a lot of people do is like, can am I in control of this? And of course vulnerability is unknown. I mean, something's going to happen that we don't necessarily know what that is. And then, and then we're faced with a choice, which again, I think you mentioned that earlier about we get to make choices. And a lot of times in response to vulnerability, it's an unexpected choice. It was something that, you know, we weren't counting on, although, you know, life is going to happen and, and things happen in life mm-hmm. that, you know, nobody, nobody gets to plan and or control, but what we can control is what we do about it. But mm-hmm. I guess that's, you know, and again, if you're with somebody long enough, that chances are one of you is going to die. 
I mean, we all will, but somebody, so it's going to happen. And, right. and whether it happens when you're young or when you're old or whatever, then, I mean, and it's not something we want to think about. It's like, right. no, no, it's going to be forever. Everybody's going to be around forever. And it's like, yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, but, well, having that sometimes, you know, when I'm with my wife, I'll feel so caught in myself, you know, and then mm-hmm. I get this feeling. Sometimes I do it on purpose. I, mm-hmm. I well, I don't know if I do it on purpose, but it happens. <laughs> and mm-hmm. I imagine if if she died, or I imagine if I lost her some way or other, mm-hmm. and all of a sudden I wake up. You know, I, I I I say, oh no, and so right away I know what's important. So I go right to under trying to understand her, to going into her reality being uh, more em- empathic towards her. Mm-hmm. Um, so it sort of wakes me up. And so it's not the fact of vulnerability, because we all get that. It's not the fact of fear, because we all get fear. It's how we respond to our feelings and how we respond to the things that arise in our life that make us who we are and that make our relationship loving. Um, do we uh, uh, berate ourselves for having those feelings? Do we berate the other person for <laughs> stimulating the feelings? Or do we just n- notice them, uh, enjoy them, go with them, see them as uh, what makes life adventurous? So it's always not what happens, mm-hmm. but how we respond to what happens that makes us who we are. Well, and I think that's a really good point, and I think that, and maybe it's your work in mindfulness, and I know that's one of the the things that is becoming more popular, and I don't mean that in a pejorative way, but I mean, I think it's becoming more recognized and, and valued, this mindfulness, this idea that we can sometimes just be and just notice and so you were talking about, you know, sometimes, and I do this too, especially when my husband travels. Um, you know, I always, I always tell him to tell the pilot to be careful. <laughs> but, <laughs> but because, you know, and, and he'll joke, it's like, oh, well, if he dies on a business trip, I'll be set for life. I said, yeah, that's not the point. <laughs> it's like, I don't want the bunny, I want you. And, right. and, you know, so it's at times when it becomes, Apparent because I know we you know, none of us think about this when we get in our cars and, and go, and that's actually when we're at our most vulnerable. Right. Um, and we don't think about that, we think about it at times and not from a place of you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I'm not afraid it's going to happen, but it's more I become aware, just like you're talking about when at times you'll, you'll think about, oh, what would happen if my wife weren't here. And it brings you back to why you're with her. So Mm -hmm. in the article, you talk about keeping love alive. And is that one of the ways that we do this is to just kind of focus in on what's important? Uh, Yeah. One of the things, I I don't know, maybe there are different parts to this, but I think that um, one thing I try to do is a combination of being real (laughs) honest and kind. Oh, I like that. And um, by being real, uh, of course, they overlap. Sometimes Mm -hmm. people think by being real, you mean being honest, you know, what's going on. But I also mean um, that you are real about the world, yourself, your partner, and you question the way that you understand 
yourself and your partner? Um, what stories do I tell myself? Because um, knowing, we, we were talking about knowing before. Uh-huh. And how we know the other person um, can be like the beginning. Like, um, I, I know I love this person. I've already, uh, you know, found myself to be uh, enthralled by her or care about her, right? Mm-hmm. But um, once you get to that point, like we talked about before, um, you have to go beyond all those labels. And what you arrive at is just being present, you know, just this simple thing <laughs> of just being there, you know, going beyond any thoughts that you have and uh, being embracing or being there with her. Uh, I think being real is being present. Mm-hmm. And then there's the mindfulness stuff, you know, right. because, yeah, I mean, mindfulness, like Thich Nhat Hanh is a mindfulness teacher um, and uh, from Vietnam, a meditation master. <laughs> and he says um, mindfulness, in a way, is like listening to ourselves. So then we can listen to others. And I think that's an important aspect of mindfulness that we don't always talk about. Because mm-hmm. we talk about mindfulness being aware moment by moment of what we're doing and thinking and feeling and uh, the thoughts going through our heads. Um, and when we do that, then we can really uh, not only find the other person, but we can um, uh, understand where we are, you know, and let go of, uh, let's say we're angry, right? Uh-huh. Like one thing I tell people and tell myself <laughs> is like when I start feeling angry, you know, <laughs> I just stop. Interesting. Yeah. I remember, okay, I'm getting really angry now. So instead of, starting to yell before I say anything to my wife I'll stop take a breath and feel what I'm feeling mm-hmm. and breathe it in and only after I've taken so many uh, breath and I, only after I become more aware of you know like what I'm feeling and maybe why I'm feeling it then do I speak yes which would be which which is a a practice that most of us could benefit from. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean and that I mean and that's and that's truly it because and I love and then I think that goes into your third thing about being kind. Right. Because I think that that's one I, I think that's a truly underrated um factor. And you know, it, especially when we've been with somebody for a long time, we there's an expectation that well they know that I love them, so I don't have you know, so I can be curt or short or you know um, just kind of unthinking even because sometimes sometimes it's it's just lack of awareness you know and it's being kind when I get up to go into the other room and I ask my husband hey is there anything you know I'm, I'm headed to the kitchen can I get you anything that's <laughs> That's common courtesy and kindness, you know, or, mm. or, you know, when my husband is traveling and he's got to get up early, you know, he'll, he'll ask me, you know, do you, do you want me to go sleep in another room so I don't wake you up? Wow. <laughs> to me, that's just, I mean, that's kindness, you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and you know, sometimes we're, we're nicer and kinder to complete strangers than we are to the person we promise to, to love, honor and cherish for the rest of our lives. Yeah, but when we recognize that, what do we do with it? (laughs) 
so I, you know, because it's also empathy, mm-hmm. uh, maybe compassion too, uh-huh. uh, because you recognize this other person is going, feels things just like you do, but a little bit different. <laughs> Right. Well, and that's also one of the things that, that people need to be aware of is that because I feel this this way about this thing, my partner may or may not. And then right. I think that's where um, being being open and learning, because if I assume that my partner feels the same way that I do, then I'm, then I'm going to go one way. But if I stop and go, well, let me ask my partner how they feel about this, <laughs> yeah, then I'm yeah. doing something completely different. Right, and looking at him or her, you know, you got to take that moment, you know, just like you pause to get in touch with your feeling of anger or love or fear. Mm-hmm. You also want to get in touch with who he is. So you allow yourself to, that's another practice you can do. You know, you see them, you come home. Instead of just assuming they're who they were before, take a moment to just look at them. <laughs> Mm-hmm. You know, and, and feel, you know, like the interesting thing is, is getting in touch with the feeling you have in yourself of, of newness, of, of walking in the door, of not knowing what's going to happen. So feel, allow yourself to feel, oh, uh, he's doing the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> and well, and so t- take that in, the newness of each moment, right? Right. And, and there's, and sometimes there's a, well, there's a comfort in, oh, you know, my, my, my partner's home and, and doing what they, what they usually do. So there's a feeling of comfort, but there's also a kind of like, oh, yes, they're here. They could be yeah. someplace else, but they're here. Right. And, and, and isn't that great that they're here with you instead yeah. of with somebody else? Yes, <laughs> instead of someplace else. Um, yeah, I get that. You know, I get that all the time when, you know, people you know, are in my office and, and one partner will say to the other, well, I don't know if they really care. And my answer is they're in my office with you. They care. They could right. be anywhere else. Right. Um, you know, but again, that's that, that idea of, I, I, you know, there's some fear in that, but also not really paying attention to what's happening. In, in right. the moment. Right. Well, this has you, been... Okay. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say that, uh, in a way, love is a, is a mystery or allows our life to feel mysterious um, because we go, it's because of that constant revelation, that constant care, we don't try to stop it. We try to keep it alive and nourish it. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I love that I love the idea that it's a mystery because we like I think a lot of us like to think of love as security, which it is, but it is also a mystery. Mm-hmm. And if we can stay curious about that and not get too complacent, because I think that's one of the things that can sometimes put an end to love is that we take it for granted and get too complacent. And don't pay attention to the mis- to the mysterious aspect of it. Right, right, and realize that you know how you treat her is how you treat yourself. <laughs> mm, yeah, and that's a conversation for for another day because that's a, that's a whole other show. Um, yeah. But Ira, but Ira, thank you so much for for coming and talking about this very complex. Even though people like to think it's a simple idea of love, um, where can people learn more about? This, you know, this concept of you know, learning where love comes from and how to keep it going and other wonderful ideas that you share with the world. Well, there's uh, my book, of course, Compassionate Critical Thinking, 
um, which is published by Roman and Littlefield, and you can either order it from them, you can get it online, or even better, get it at your local bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> Yay, local bookstores! And um, you can, people could go to my website, which has uh, several resources and um, blogs uh, and conversations about uh, love and mindfulness and uh, other things. And so what is that website? Oh, it's, 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 it's easy. It's my name, Ira, I-R-A, Rabois, R-A-B-O-I-S dot com. <laughs> Terrific. It's really, it's really easy to, uh, for, at least for me to remember. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, I've often said that falling in love is easy, and a lot of it is a biological process designed to keep the human species around. But most of us want that love to last. And this means taking it to another deeper level, and that's what we've been talking about today. It's about moving past the focus on ourselves and really including our partners. So hopefully you've enjoyed the show, and hopefully you'll keep listening. So until next week, stay loving. Stay loving.